All right, welcome to Black Girl from Eugene. I have Anna Richardson on the line. We're recording this for my podcast, so this is about to be all no holds ball. We're about to cuss it out. We're about to be real as we can. Not that we're not real every every single time, but y'all know what I'm talking about. So, Anna, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me back. Yes. Okay. So we didn't we weren't able to really finish what we were talking about um, on our last episode. Um, and we wanted to get a little bit more raw with it. And we did have some comments come back from people uh, after the show that kind of resonated with some professors and some teachers. And um, so they they uh, had some more things to say. And we had more things to say. So we're going to talk about it. Um, so you were, we were just talking about how, what did you say? You had a memory from, first of all, let me introduce the subject. We are talking about black uh, students and educational disparity. Really, um, I wasn't primarily talking about when black students are surrounded by mostly white stu- white teachers and white other uh, white students in, in white cities. But then I started thinking about old my old memories and I was uh, you know in Houston when one of the one of my first experiences, well not first, but one of my really pivotal experiences of my high school career was by a white counselor at a with black students, but I was at a white school. Um, so that's mm-hmm. interesting. So anyway, I was just trying to say, I was trying to think about, um, uh, just the fact that black students have a harder time, uh, getting forward in school, in education when we're not, um, being encouraged when we don't have our teachers, teachers who are encouraging us, teachers who look like us, who are trying to get ahead, how we are already in the back of the curve expected to do, um, less than our counterparts. So go ahead, Anna, what was the story that came to your mind? Yeah, so um, this is, like, actually very unusual, but it's funny. Okay, um, wait, stop. Hold on one second. Your phone is jacked up. (laughs) Wait. Oh, no. No, yeah, you sound, like, super fuzzy. Is there any way to try to make Um, it more clear? She's in Ohio, and I'm in Oregon, just so y'all know. We're going to take a second to try to get this together. Can you hear me? Uh, Yeah, it's still good. It's a little fuzzier. Are Are you on speakerphone? Now I am. It wasn't before. Okay, so now th- it actually sounds a little bit better. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay, so let's try it. Go for it. Okay. Okay, cool. let's try it. Let's go for it. Go ahead. So we were talking about um, time, you know, well, just not having high expectations for students of color, um, and that being something that it, it comes from folks trying not to be quote-unquote, like, racist and, like, prejudiced, and so they actively, like, make choices sometimes. Yeah. Um, But anyways, my freshman year, I was just assigned to a random counselor because I came in undeclared. Um, A freshman's time in college? Yeah, in college, yeah. Um, And I met with this professor, and I told them, like, what I wanted to do, and like, long story short, they, like, told me that I should do Africana Studies, which, like, Africana Studies is an important field. Like, yes, definitely very important things happen there. But, like, I came to her knowing at least I wanted to do neuroscience and, like, stuff like that. Right. Um, and they're also in the math department, too. So it was, like, you know, um, and it was a woman, too. So it was very interesting, a white woman, but she was very Southern, and she was older. So it's not, like, very representative of, like, folks in general but it was just like my experience of being shooed away from that um my freshman year too yeah uh so it even follows you outside of high school it's like a 
it's like a not just like a fundamental thing it happens throughout um where people are discouraged and of course i had a hard time at first but then i got my resources and things like that um from these other support groups that i have on campus so right that's just like one example of it happening yeah i mean that's the same thing that i was when i was uh when we were off the podcast i was saying that like i was in high school and uh I was having a hard time in chemistry because I was put ahead. I'm not good at math, um, totally capable of doing the work. But And so I was going to a high school in Houston, and my counselor was white. And she uh, told me, I came to her really asking like what, what I can do. And she told me just to drop the class and to do something easier because clearly it was too hard for me. So I thought, you know, not understanding um, that what I really needed as I was trying to go pre-med for college is that I absolutely needed chemistry and that a tutor or extra time with the teacher or any of those things would have been appropriate uh, responses of the counselor. And this is of course, right. You know, in, you know, in hindsight, but she told me to drop the class. Now, if I'm a student, a struggling student, I'm like, Oh, I can drop the class. Shoot. I'm gonna drop that class (laughs) and I'm gonna keep on, right. I'm gonna keep on moving. Um, so I dropped the class and then the next term I got transferred to a black uh, counselor and we were going over my graduate, my graduation requirements. And she told me, she said, why did you drop chemistry? I said, well, it was too hard. She said, well, that what your major is, you need to figure out how to get through chemistry. Cause she said, who told you to drop this class? And I told her and she said, don't you ever let no white woman tell you what you can do and what you can't do now, because of that, you won't even graduate on time. And I didn't. I had to go to uh, summer school to graduate, uh, although I was ahead and had A's and B's in my classes because of the, the credits that she had messed around and then didn't actually put me on the right path. I had to graduate in the August of, of, of my graduating year. So I was like I was embarrassed because um, when that counselor told me and she yeah. said she said like this is off the record this is between me and you this is between a black woman and you like she was, don't you don't you ever what are you thinking you know and I was just like um <laughs> you know because the truth of it is is where I had come from yeah I mean where I had come from I didn't even think about I was, I was coming from Eugene in Texas and I was thinking you know that people have my good intentions in mind right like I'm used to white women kind of telling me what to do and not knowing that they actually aren't telling me my, they're not pushing my potential. Um, So that, that was one memory that came up after we had discussed it. I was like, I forgot all about that. It was a direct. Yeah. 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 Um, You know, so we were talking about uh, everyone being in the classrooms, like people here in, we talked about earlier that you were, you went to school in a lot of different places. I went to school in a lot of different places. Um, and most of the time I trying to think if I ever had a black male teacher or, and I know I had women teachers that were black, always down in the South, the level of education, that level of push, the, to know that you need to go to college, that you need to have some sort of education, that you need to graduate high school, um, go to a trade school, that you need to do those things was pushed on us in the South here, right here in the Northwest. I, it was not even a discussion for people of color. Like teachers and counselors actually were not coming to us to make sure that our goals were met. Now that's me. I'm 23 mm-hmm. years older, 24, how I'm what, 18 years older than you, uh, 19 years old. So that yeah. may have been different for you. So in your experience, I mean, you, and we talked about it on the part one of this, that you're pretty self-driven, 
But in your observations and maybe other anecdotal stories that you have, uh, where do you see that 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 was pushing against you at all or people that you know? Yeah. So, well, about the thing about like actually having counselors reach out to you. So at South, like they do have you do like these different projects, but it's like supplements. It's like you have to do it, but you have to figure out when to do it. Um, and then like have you take like these personality tests, all this stuff, right? Um, but there's not a lot of like one-on-one attention or like, oh, here, here are some schools I think that you'd like be into. Like these are the different resources you have. So it's like it's put there, but it's not actually like accessible. And those things that they give you on Naviance aren't very useful um, <clears throat> in general when you're thinking about like what college actually is. Um, I don't know. It feels very depersonalized. Like you're just doing it because it's part of the like everybody does it, so that's what you do. Right. Um, but I don't think there's a lot of, yeah, expectation, I suppose. But I was an avid, so avid was all about the college thing. So right. I obviously had more support there. Um, so I, I mean, in, like, this as much as I like the idea of AVID and I think AVID's an excellent program, the the problem that I had yeah. with AVID to get go, even when I was putting um, Barbara into it, was that the application to put your kids into AVID or the, um, they literally say your student has been chosen due to the uh, identity, identity marker of being not, having not, uh, well, I, I'm paraphrasing, like not the highest, um, dang, what do they say? Like the markers of not going to college. Like they have either they, they, they're low income. It's like risk. It's like risk, risk factor. So yes. Like we have identified yeah. them as high risk factor students uh, of not entering college. Now, mind you, I get this, this, and this is something where these children, my children, you, other children, y'all, y'all are A students and being invited to AVID. Yeah. So what exactly is the risk factor that you are assuming that they will not get to college on. And then when you go into AVID, you it's pre- comparatively to the other classes, there's more children of color in AVID than there is in AP engineering prep engine. You know what I'm saying? So that is where I'm like, hmm, yeah. hmm. I don't but know if the, I... But that's the, that's the point. So the, you know, the counter argument to this is that AVID is meant to bring those students, so like students of color who traditionally don't feel supported in their classrooms and like things like that and give them like a support group. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it is a lot of the black kids and the most colored kids on campus. Right. So I do understand like the fact that they're an avid, it isn't because like they're a risk, it's just for support and like having like extra guidance because you're already disadvantaged. See, but um, this is the thing. Where but, is the disadvantage if those students are are coming in A students already? What is the disadvantage that they have? Well, it's the, it's the same thing. It comes down to, like, the expectations of their teachers of them, the kind of support that their teachers give them and what they tell them that they can do. Like, they're supposed to, like, counter that. That's, like, what that's, – that's the idea of it. Yeah, so that, to me, is almost, like, intrinsically racist. We're going to correct our racism by putting a special program in to help the kids that we don't want to help in the general population. We're going to have a special population for these kids, even if they're gifted and talented. We're going to put them so that we make sure that they get through. I don't... I mean, well, you could you could just deny all the kids that are high-achieving, but then high-achieving kids who don't have as much knowledge on college and things like that won't have that same support group. 
No, that's true. They won't have the support group because the support group for those kids are not are is not uh, is not um, woven into the basic uh, um, to the basic foundation of what the school is about. My point is is that your GPA, Barbara's GPA, uh, you know, I could name a few other kids, but I don't have their permission to say their GPA mm-hmm. uh, was at, was. Uh, competitive to children who were not chosen to go to AVID and those children got college support. You see what I'm saying? Those children can go to their counselor and they can go to their, they can go uh, to their ACT and get that support without having a special class to do it. And what I'm, and I'm saying AVID to me was amazing. I'm not putting down AVID. AVID worked out very well for all of you who went through AVID. I'm looking at AVID going, I don't see the different. The only difference I see in the kids that were at AVID is that they were lower socioeconomic, socioeconomic status and or of color. And the kids, some of them, don't get me wrong, some of them needed a lot of academic support. They needed to understand how to do all the work. But I can, I mean, yeah. I also know a good majority of the children of color, because that's who I'm, I'm looking for. Um, didn't need, yeah. didn't necessarily need academic support. They needed direction on how to get to where the other kids are going. Like how, how, you know, they need, you guys needed college information. You guys needed to understand, yeah. but that's not something that other students in the population don't already get. So that's what I'm, that is my, that is my um, grief about the idea is that like, it's almost a way to check off a box for funding. Yes, we have this special program. Yes, we do take these kids and do it. But the truth of it is, is that that's just an extra tunnel for funding to the school. That's not necess- not actually necessary if they just treated all the students with equity. That's all I'm saying. I mean, but there's only, what, like two counselors? I Well, I don't know. I mean, you're talking about at that high school particularly? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I no. There's four. There's got to be four. But yeah, for a student body of fifteen hundred, and you've got well, four for, counselors. For juniors and seniors, don't they like stretch it out to like juniors or with this person, seniors or with this person kind of thing? No, it's all by your last name. So you, you, what they want oh, you to okay. do is to make sure that you have. They're trying to make sure you have the same counselor throughout the whole four years, so they can follow your academic stuff. But then again, that goes back down to funding. That's like four hundred kids. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's the same idea of asking teachers to be asking teachers to, you know, to to really be like on top of their game at 100 percent when they got 45 students and there's one of them. Like, it's crazy. (laughs) They're 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 teachers. They're not miracle workers. You know, it's like, no, I get that. And I actually happened at South, you know, auntie. Yeah. I had my pre-calc class had 60 people in it. 60 people? (laughs) <laughs> that is <Yep>. insane <laughs> that is insane you know but you know i remember um this is not a new phenomenon i remember in my high school in houston we being one of those where they first started talking about the crowding of the uh, schools and i remember being in my uh, english ap class and um students had to sit on the heaters and stuff because there wasn't enough desks when I went into physics, so I went into physics at South, and there were too many people in the class for seats, and so they were just standing around. And this is actually true. So I don't remember who the teacher was. I don't. I know they weren't a person of color, but they started the class by like, oh, okay, so this isn't a math class, so 
if you don't feel confident in your like trig skills, like you probably shouldn't take physics, right? And I had like no seat in the class. I was like, hmm, like I just took this pre-calc class with all these kids in it. Like I'm not ready to do that again. Right. So I didn't take the class. I dropped the class. Dang it. See, and that and that has nothing yeah. to do with racial disparity. That's literally just, you know, funding this this ridiculous amount of of uh refunding that they're giving teachers in schools to be able to adequately teach the students that are in the damn class in the first place. That's a whole nother subject. Um and to get and I and I support teachers a thousand and ten percent. Matter of fact, there's a student yeah. there's a teacher here, you know, with uh Jasmine when she was little they were doing the same thing to Jasmine. We actually had, uh, she was slow to read, um, but the truth of it is is that she was really young going into school. Um, and when we first started her off in school, they were like, oh, it's no problem. You know, she, her birthday is right on the edge, but, she, well, you know, she she's at the cut. So she was always a little bit, like, emotionally behind everyone else, but she was as smart as everyone else was. Um, but when you're in kindergarten, first, second grade, it's very emotionally-based learn learning. So... We went through first, second grade of just like trying to pull her along and she just started to go introverted, introverted, and she just started to get more dark and dark and she was just sad and didn't want to go to school. And I realized that um, the teachers there were basically putting her in the back of the class because she was shy, because she didn't want, she was unsure of her skills. And then as the more that she got kind of put to the back of the class, the less that she tried and she kept less, less, less. So then they tried to tell me that she was special ed. And she needed to um, go into have to her had to have a special ed and go into have a, a IEP and do all this stuff. Girl, if you could just imagine me and the school board, because I was like hell to the nah. And I went to uh, her her. They tried to say she had ADD. They tried to give her all kinds of diagnosis. So I went to the do- the doctor, and the doctor was like what the hell? No, this girl is not, she's not slow. Yeah. Matter of fact, she's ahead of the curve. So let's, so the doctor, um, Dr. Zubay, you out there, uh, she laid all of those out, all this paperwork out and was like, she, I mean, she took time and studied over it. And she said, she's young. Like there's nothing about her. She's hitting every single, she's above every single thing. The only thing that she is not above in is her age and her, this is where she, she needs to be. She's just younger than her, her, her academic group. So then we, she gave me all yeah. this paperwork, me, little old me, against the whole school board, sat there talking to these people, telling them, you know, that there's nothing wrong with my child. And, it was, and because they said, they tried to, they literally tried, I wish I had this recorded. They tried to use psychological terms on me, not understanding that I'm educated. Not only am I educated, I'm educated in psychology and neuroscience. Listening to them talk to me, yeah. they tried to talk me into signing papers, using words that a laywoman or a parent would not understand and would be convinced because they sound pretty big and horrible that they would need to have signed these papers and put their child into IEP, into an IEP program. I was beside myself. I told them, I said, do you know do you think I don't understand what you're saying to me? I don't even have to sign those papers. And not only do I not have to sign those papers, you're lying. That That, was, that is not yeah. accurate. You don't have any scientific proof behind it. And you don't, the definitions of these things are not true uh, for my daughter. They finally, girl, they were so pissed. We were in that meeting for three hours. Those things are t- supposed to take 45 minutes. Now, the truth of what yeah. I'm saying is that if I wasn't a parent who knew better, if I wasn't a parent who, yeah. you know, was in the medical field at the time, who was who was 
aware of how the school district worked, my daughter would have been put in a place where she would have never grown academically, um, you know, in any way. So, and she would have been automatically put behind. Yeah. Yeah. So when we, we, what I did is I moved her school. I actually took her, I couldn't move school districts because, you know, we are, we're here, but I moved her school to another school and I met this teacher who looked at her and said, hey, said, okay, we got it. There's no problem. We got this. Three weeks later, I'm, I kid you not, three weeks later, Jasmine was coming home with, with books under her arm, wanting to read, wanting to do the work. She loved this teacher so much that by time halfway through her, her we, we held her back to, to put her back into her, uh, her age-appropriate group. And within, she, within the next term of school, she was ahead reading everything yeah. ahead of everyone and has stayed ahead the whole time and academically. She's never been behind. She's always been ahead of the curve. But that one particular yeah. teacher who was not looking at her uh, in a way, in a, in a, in a deficit way, he, he just stood, he just stood right next to her and she just took right off. Um, and I wrote that letter, a teacher, I, I wrote that teacher a letter, Mr. Squires at the end of the year. And I told him how much, he meant to us at just being an educator and not looking at skin and not looking at her deficits. And, uh, he told, he wrote to me just like a two years later telling me that he, when he has a bad day, he, he reads that letter <laughs> to remember what he's here for. Aww. Yeah. So, I mean, the teachers, the, yeah, the te- it's, it's imperative. It's like, it's imperative to students understanding. It's imperative to students success that if your teachers are looking at you, as if you're needing help because of the color of your skin, because in, inherently you are slow. Yeah. What does that do? Are, that what that what that does to our children is is absolutely uh, devastating, actually. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so anyway, I, I wanted to talk about that because I think that most people just assume. That a whole assumption of like, because black folks are in the classroom, they're getting the same treatment. They're getting the same thing that all the white kids are getting in the classroom. Um, yeah. It's just, it's not true. It's just not true. So anyway, uh, did you have any other stories that you could think of that, that from your own personal experience? Uh, well, well, okay. If you think about, just think about um, how Jahi got like his whole thing. That was definitely like, yeah. um, so he, he ended up actually getting into like an honors college and things at a school he actually wanted to go to, but their teacher had told them to like that the other school they're looking at, which was not as good, um, was like a solid place to be and just to like admit, like commit there. And so him not knowing anything and not like, like, Oh, I got into this school. Like, okay, I'll, I'll be there. So they do it. And, of course, everything is, like, not what they promised. And, like, it's just, like, not – it's just a terrible situation. And it's all because of, like, expectation and, like, not really waiting it out. Just because one thing jumped out at him. It's like, oh, take it. Like, take it while you can kind of thing. When he had so many other things he could have done. So Yeah. And Jahi was, again, gifted and talented. Black. Yeah. You know, uh, even athletic. His poor GPA, you know, but – Right. Not, 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 he was very smart, though. He's super smart. He, if you could have, if if yeah. someone could have engaged his interests, 
Um, I believe that it would have been a, de- a definitely a different scenario for him. And that, that same idea yeah. for white teachers to be like, well, just take what you can. That is, that's a, that yeah. is, that's epidemic. That some, that is something that, uh, that is being fed into the children, um, in a way that's, that is almost the, the go-to is that I took what I could do. Yeah. I took what I could, you know, um, take the safe route. It's all you're going to get kind of thing. Yeah. That's Not what you're going to get. Yeah. This is the best you can do. So you might as well take it. If you don't take it, then what else, you know, and what do you mean? What else? There's, there is a whole world of what else um, that they, yeah. that these kids could be taken. And the issue here is that I see um, with, with these cities that are predominantly white cities and they don't understand, they have this, this unconscious bias. The teachers are feeling like, um, you know, you know, I have sorry, not sorry, but there's this unconscious, like, like need to to um to or not necessarily need but like a assumption that the black students are just struggling and that you know you look I think at that so yeah i think that's like that color blindness stuff you know like that's kind of the same like idea what do you mean by color blindness it's like a teacher being like oh like they're just like i'm giving them the same thing that i give everybody else and they're just struggling it has nothing to do with, like, I don't see any, like, I don't see race, or I don't see how this is playing into this, or, like, so I'm just gonna, like, treat it just like everybody else, even though they're obviously facing different things throughout their lives that aren't the same as everybody else, um, but, yeah, that's what I, they just, like, reminded me of that. No, I think that's at, super accurate, because most people will listen to this podcast and be like, well, how are you going to equate this kind of stuff to them being black, and the idea is that the, the that's that colorblind uh, issue exactly is uh, what you're saying totally makes sense. It's a simple fact that ju- be the 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 treatment and the expectations that are unconscious bias towards kids of color are something that we live with every single day, and that does put on. I mean, yeah, yeah, and, there, and there's so much proof to show that, like the achievement gap for kids. Like when you start off a student, like a black student and a white student in the same classroom they'll be at the same rate or like one will be higher, but over the next couple of grades, you'll see a disparity between the student of color as they go through the school system. And it doesn't make sense. There's no reason for that to happen. Like no, no academic reason or no. Well, yes, but but you're going to, when people don't understand the, the, the day to day living in a, in an, uh, in an oppressed culture and what that does to your, to your drive. And then to understand as you start to get older, you start to see it. You start to understand that your teach, what your teachers are doing to you. Yeah. Also people like you make an idea of what, of yourself and what you can do based off of how you're like treated throughout school. And if it's not like, especially if you struggle, um, you'll think that that's something that's like innate about you. Like, oh, I struggled at this, so now I'm bad at math. Like, yes. like it's a thing for me to be bad at math. Like, that's what it is. Um, and that's the kind of thing that like teachers let go. Like, why would you? Why would you then say like, oh, okay, yeah, they're just bad at math. They'll struggle. It's like, no, they're not bad at math. They just don't think that they can be good at it. So like, you need to actually pay attention to it. Actually, give them like hope, some way to actually get things done. Right. I think a lot of times people are demotivated, like unmotivated, not unmotivated, but like taken down when they get like 
something that they don't understand and they don't know how to get the support that they need, um, especially with like other students around them understanding quicker, like at least in college, I've had that too, um, because people are very, very wealthy. Um, and so their access and knowledge is very different from mine. Yeah. Um, so knowing that, that it's not something that's like bad to get help and like doing those types of things, like just cause you struggle, it doesn't mean that it's just not right for you because you don't look like all the other people who are like succeeding at it. Right. So a lot of kids can like connect that. And also like teachers can connect that, like not consciously, but like on accident, like it just not even on accident, you know, it's, it's unconscious like, bias. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's that, it's that learned prejudice. I mean, but the problem with it is, is when you're a student of color, who's around white folks who are telling you that you embody that unconscious bias. Like you were saying, you actually start to believe, well, I'm just bad at math because I'm kind of like, that's, you know, I, I just don't do math. Math isn't for me. I'm not, you know, math, these type of things that like, it just isn't for you. That becomes real for you when people you're supposed to be listening to and teaching you, um, and trusting say it's not for you and the, as you get and whatever it's not for you means is that that happens on a very prevalent level with with girls and with girls of color and and men of color yeah. um i i remember consciously i swear to god consciously in college going having a fear of math being like how am i going to get my degree and do i have to do math like i have to do it i i have a degree i need to get a yeah. bachelor's in science you have to do math, right? <laughs> and I, yeah. and the thing about it was what was funny is that the teachers who encouraged me in science were never, they never were the type of teachers who were telling me my limits. And so I felt, I, I always told math teachers, if you apply the math to something in the human body, I will get it. But if you don't, I don't understand yeah. it. You know what that was? That mm-hmm. was literally my encouragement through science, through my science teachers who were like, yeah, you're brilliant, do this. And then the other teachers going, yeah, maybe you should sit down and not say anything. I was literally equating those two. And I, I remember consciously in college looking at people around me being like, if that mm-hmm. fool can do it, <laughs> I know <laughs> I can do it. I literally, I was yeah. like, wait a minute. I, I can be taught anything. Like I, I just need yeah. someone to show me. I literally had to like realize myself that I was literally looking around at people going, that fool, like that, that fool right there yeah. is doing trigonometry and I can't, like, that doesn't make any sense. Let me figure this out. Right. And it was literally like an ego thing, just like that. When I started to look around, it reminds me of this meme I put up on my, my, um, my Facebook page. And it was a thing for, um, Michelle Obama and Oprah. She says, um, yeah. then, it says, then I saw Oprah interview Michelle Obama Oprah asked how Michelle got over feeling intimidated sitting at big tables filled with smart, powerful men. And Michelle said, you realize pretty quickly uh, that a lot of them aren't that smart. Yeah. You know, (laughs) you know, and the truth of it is, it's like that, that whole, that whole like picture of we are not as good as this group here is put right in until you challenge it. And you go, what? That's what you guys were talking. No. So I, I, I went through and I went all the way through the top math I had to go through and the highest math that I went through, I got an A in the lower math I was struggling yeah. with because that was before I knew that the idea of me not being good at math was bullshit. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. It wasn't like I got smarter. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It just, 
It was it was literally an idea of of an idea that was planted into me, a, a doubt that wasn't even mine. It was just put yep. on to me as somebody else's easy way of, of floating me by. You know, um, I think with what we were talking about here and I know that you have uh, not that much more time to go. So I want to give you enough time <laughs> to talk about uh, what we were saying before we had a recording, y'all, and it got erased. I was pissed. So I do, I want to, in the middle of our podcast here, apologize for the gap in time with the podcast coming out. I've been recording at the studio, and some other folks have been um, kind of, not. it hasn't been working out as well. So so I now here I am. I know how to do it myself. I'm taking it into my own hands. I am going to make sure these get onto the podcast. So, um, so Anna, I want to give you the time to talk about mm-hmm. where black students are not give, are not given this information or necessarily most students, but I'm, I'm focusing on the black and brown. Um, and just so that if you all are listening to this podcast, if you know students who are coming up through high school, um, and you want to make sure that they understand the, the, the do's and don'ts of their high school career to get into colleges and how to get into the good colleges, not the, just the colleges that, you know, people are telling you just take it because you you know because you you're not gonna get much better, uh, type of bullshit. So I want mm-hmm. you to give you time to talk about uh the last part of that podcast that we did last time with the um the ins and outs of the and I took notes too the ins and outs of going to the private schools and the disparity. No, that's not what you called it. Um, you know what I'm talking about? How to get into the co- how the yeah. routes to take? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, um, so I guess there's, like, you know, a good amount of things to say, but um, I'll keep it useful and short. So thinking about, like, high school courses and things, um, for college, it's really a, really when we're looking at transcripts and things like that, we obviously do like to see very, like, high grades. Um, but if a student is getting, like, very, very high grades throughout their time and they never actually engage with, like, a higher-level math or, like, a higher-level science or take any – APs or honors and things like that, mm-hmm. um, it actually does affect, like, their overall, like, academics. Um, and then when you're thinking about your GPA and, like, what it's going to look like for schools, uh, it's important to also know that when some colleges, when they look at your GPA, they only look at your core classes. So they're not looking at, like, the PE class or the elective you took or the art class or any of those things generally. Um, and this is generally speaking for, like, you know, small private liberal arts, um, but a lot of like IVs and things like that too. Yeah. Um, so really making sure you're actually performing well in your classes. And like, if you think that filling your schedule with these other things to boost your GPA is like the thing to do, like it's not, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't help. Um, so yeah. So instead of filling your, your schedule with electives to try to boost the GPA, um, you should probably take that harder class and dedicate more time to it to actually like, get good information from it um plus it's good for getting ready for college the kind of uh work you'll have to do mm-hmm. uh, which is something that colleges are definitely worried about they want to make sure the students that come in can actually succeed at the school um and so seeing those higher classes makes us more confident that the kind of work that you'll be faced here like you can actually do it mm-hmm. um so okay those, i guess those I... are just like I want to make sure people know this is a part two so they understand where you're coming from. Anna yeah. is a recruiter uh, for Oberlin College. If you listen to part one of the podcast, uh, she will, uh, I believe we explained there 
uh, Anna's accolades of uh, and how she is also recruiting actively for Oberlin College and takes on the region, like this, basically the southeast region of the country, right? I mean, generally. Uh, kind of, yeah, ish. Sort of. Ish, right? Kind of. It kind of jumps around. So, um, okay, and we did talk about in part one, kind of the uh, the differences of of what you know, these, these academic, um, college, I mean, these high schools with money and high schools without money look like and how to get these kids into college. Okay. So you're go ahead with the GPA. So they need to be trying to challenge themselves, even if they get a, not a low grade, but like a challenge grade, like a B or a C in a, in a really hard class. Does that help them? So not a C, you want to stay away from having C, but she's like, uh, no, (laughs) So, and it also depends on what kind of school you're looking at. Like at very like highly selective schools, um, they don't really like to see too many C's. Yeah. Um, just yeah. Uh, but it's part of like if you get a C, it's like a two out of four for your GPA. Uh-huh. So it like really drags down your GPA. That's all. Yeah, but you know most of these students that I'm yeah. thinking about, uh, these students of color who are going to cl- to school and they have a v- vision of school, even like kids who are trying to go to trade schools. They they have they're hardworking yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that is true. Um, but we it's definitely about like challenging yourself. So obviously don't overcommit. Like if you're not the kind of person who can take four APs and the other people are, like you don't need to do all of that. But if there's something you're good at, which generally somebody like you're generally good at like either English or math or science or something like that. I'm really like, if you are feeling comfortable with it, like go up and take that next class. Actually yeah. challenge yourself, um, especially since you're already like pretty good at it. So, How does college look know. at pass, no pass? Well, in high school, you can't really take pass, no pass classes, really. Oh, you can't? I thought you could do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's just certain classes are pass, no pass, but you can't like take math, pass, no pass or anything like that. Right, right, right. Okay. So, okay. So what, there was something that I'm struggling to remember what you called it when the, uh, 100%, um, Oh yeah. So if you're a student, um, that is from like a lower income family, um, you should, you should be looking at those private colleges. And I know it sounds like something like doesn't make sense, but yeah, it's totally like counterintuitive. Yeah, so you want to be looking for schools that meet 100% of demonstrated need. Um, and so what that means is, so based off your FOSFO, which FAFSA, which is your, like, um, federal, uh, basically takes all of your um, tax information and income and stuff, and the federal government decides what your estimated family contribution to college would be. Um, for students that are low income, that number is going to be pretty low. Um, and so when you go to a school that meets 100% of need, what that means is whatever that number that they give you on your EFC, the school is actually committed to filling the gap of whatever their tuition costs um, to match, like, you won't have to pay any more than that number. So it's actually very, very bi- viable if you are someone that comes from that background. Um, but, yeah, so, and those, it's just like a, you should definitely do it if if you have good academics or even if there's places that are a little bit different it's a way to get your school paid for that's not like it's not technically like a quote-unquote scholarship um but it's a way of like 
promoting people like coming to different private colleges and having those really, really good educations that otherwise wouldn't be able to have it. Right. Um, so the state schools yeah. are not necessarily your best bet. And matter of fact, a lot of it is yeah. academically more, uh, it will put you more in debt, not looking at schools that are mm-hmm. looking at your EFC in a way that helps you get through college, but actually um, puts you more in line with loans and debt um, versus their need and their academic need needing 100% of demonstrated uh, financial need, right? Yeah, because yeah. public schools are federally funded, so they only have a certain amount of, like, they only have a certain, like, amount of leeway, so they're not taking into account, like, how much you can pay, but they do have, like, systems, but it's not as robust. Like, it's not going to meet 100% of your needs. So sometimes you'll see people who will go to a state college and they'll have to take out like, you know, a good amount of loans, but it turns out they could have gone to the like private college and took out the same or less amount of loans. Right. Um, so, and that comes down to like having smaller classes, having different opportunities and like all those types of things that help you after you graduate college as well. So. Right. So and that's another thing I was thinking about what you said when you go to a college that is like private and you said like the kids who are paying to go there are from a more affluent families and that uh, yeah. you're, you're learning like when you get there and you realize that you haven't been given the same resources that they have been giving. So you're kind of from behind in the first place just because yeah. um, in the classroom of kids who are, you know, average or below, uh, you know, um, income status that we're not getting the same resources as the folks who have more money. No, and not. yeah. And if you're going to a, a all black school, you're going to a school that isn't supporting uh, people of color, that the resources are factually way below par, um, way below average. So when yeah. you do get, are able to get into these private schools, it's actually advantageous for you, uh, even though you may be academically behind, but the fact is that you'll have smaller classrooms, you're mentally capable and you put yourself in a place where you actually will excel. So don't be intimidated by that idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The other thing too, I want to mention is that people like, well, what is low, what is low income and, uh, or what, you know, for the social economic status of the, 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 um, the EFC, it's, you got to know that like now, I mean, they, even in Hawaii right now, they're considering for HUD housing, they're considering nine people who make $93,000 and less low income. So just know that depending on where you live and depending on how many people are in your household, low income does not mean homeless. It does not mean not employed, right? It does not, your parents can still be working and, and be working very hard and making decent money and be considered low income. So just understand that it doesn't have to be the person who is sleeping in their car to, to qualify for this. Yeah. Like, like a good, I think a good number, like if you qualify for free and reduced lunch or anything like that, like mm-hmm. you're, you would be in the low income bracket. Yeah. And that's reduced lunch too. Not just free, but free and, and re- no. If, yeah. Reduced. Yeah. If you can get snap, uh, the food stamps if, or anything like that, you automatically know that you are, you're there. But I'm saying there are people who don't even qualify um, for who are qualified up at the upper reduced um reduced lunch and still can qualify as low income. That's just a, because it's changing. Um, and there are people who are like just dollars off for the federal need, you know, the the federal uh, financial need and still for the housing and for college need is still lower. It's there's a range is what I'm trying to say. So don't 
discourage yourself yeah. um, thinking that like, well, we don't get free, uh, free and reduced lunch, but my mom still struggles to pay the bills. You know, I've got six brothers and sisters. Okay, well, you try it out. Do it anyway. Look for it, you know, because um, what, what won't be able to fit in with that in that bracket will through scholarships. Um, and there's yeah. there's got there's literally millions of dollars that are never picked up for school um, for scholarships for kids that could all they have to do is apply and know where to apply to. So I want to put that out there, too. Yep. Yeah. What did you say? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah. Yeah. I second that. Yeah, you second that. <laughs> so, is there anything else yeah. that you could think of? Because I know you got to get back to lunch pretty soon, but is there anything else you could think of that you want to make sure you say to people, children of color, children who may feel like they're not academically, uh, you know, able or they're not being, they, they're not feeling like they are being encouraged or empowered or just kids who are trying to get into college? Anything that you could think of you want, might want to add to it? Yeah, well, I think. I think what I would say is that like it gets better and I think the harder that you like combat those ideas of like not being good at something or not being like close enough like the better you'll be um, especially in the classroom like when it comes down to it there are things that like we can control um, and there are things that we can't control so you can't really control where you came from or how your teacher is going to teach you in this math class um, or any of those things but you can control the different things that you do. Um, and just knowing that, like, whatever you're interested in, like, you can do it. Um, and it does get easier. So don't ever, like, shy away because something is, like, tough, basically. Right. It'll be tough. And it's going to be tough. And life is tough. And I think I want to say and I want to reiterate to parents who may be listening to this who have children of color, maybe you're not a person of color uh, or someone of nature who, who can see the disparity in this. Just I want you to understand very real that – these kids and, and the children who are listening, there is an army of kids just like you out there who don't who uh-huh. thought they may not be able to, but then went into it and was like, what? That's it. You have to remember that no yep. one, the person who's telling you it's hard is telling you about their story. They're not telling you about your story. So don't don't always yep. take an advantage. Like to take keep in mind that when someone says it's really going to be, you know, it may be too hard for you. Keep that in mind. OK. You think it's difficult. Let me see what I can do with it. Like you, yeah. you know, make sure that you understand. Yeah, it might be difficult, but let me see what I can do. Have some real strength in what you can do. And if you don't think you can do it, remember, there's about 100,000 more kids just like you who are trying to do it. So just get out there and do it. You're not alone. You literally, there's, there's thousands of kids right now of color who are trying to figure out how to get past the barrier of people not believing that they can do it, knowing somewhere in their body that they can. Yeah. That's a real, that's a true and real feeling. So they, you gotta, you gotta go with it. Don't, don't, don't disregard that gut. Go with it. All right. Well, that, if you, if that's it, um, you, I'm thinking that's a wrap for me. I appreciate your time and definitely yeah, your insight. Course. Of course. Yeah. No problem. Thanks for having me. Of course I will. And so we'll have you on again, talk about some more stuff, talk about some more drama, talk about some more <laughs> everyday, <laughs> you know, crap that be going on. Uh, did you see my Facebook yep, post yep. about that, about a woman from, are you, you're never on Facebook, huh? I'm not. 
I don't know. Maybe I did. What is it? It's a woman from, uh, she was, has a PhD at the U of O as a native American woman who was telling me. I did see that. I was like, Oh God. <laughs> oh, right. Like, Oh, and then I looked to see if we had like mutual friends and we have mutual friends. And I was like, Oh no. But some of the mutual friends I only have on my Facebook so I can see what they're doing. You know, I'm, I am like that. Um, but yeah. yeah, and she was a Native American woman. It was so discouraging. I was like, oh, white supremacy did it again. Got us like, you know, brown yeah. folks working against each other. And, um, and it was when she started, she tried to get come at me on her. She tried to come at me. I was like, Aisha, you're going to be professional. I literally stopped and said, have a good day. I was like, have a good day. Before I'm out here on the internet cussing you out. Okay. <laughs> Didn't it boil down to like they thought that you talking about race was like making it worse or something like that? Yeah, she told me that I'm the type of person that makes racism that I oppress other people because I always talk about race. So I, therefore, I propagate racism because I won't stop talking about it. Yeah. What did you say? I said that's the word. That, I mean, you know, it, to me, it's like, wow, that I don't even have anything to say to you. It's like the transparency of your ignorance through your comment lets me know I should have not engaged in this conversation in not one more minute. And she was getting angry. And then when I looked at her education level, I'm like, you have a PhD in what? Cultural social studies. What? And then, of course, my, my homie, Connor, was like, C's gets degrees. <laughs> I was like, dang it. Oh. It's so true. It's like that, you know, that saying is like, what do you call it? What do you call um, a, stu a medical doctor student? Yeah, who has D's? Doctor. Oh. Doctor. <laughs> like, yep. And then when you get brown people who are whitewashed, whose brains are not understanding their own, like, uh, <laughs> um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? When your oppressor, ha you believe that you have to protect your oppressor. Um, ugh. I can't think of the word, but anyway, yes, um, it's kind of like that. And so when you get people of color who are like that and they're teaching, it gives the ignorance more validation because those poor people who don't understand that this, this person of color is actually psychologically damaged from the, the, the onset of their, their white supremacy and the, how they take it on and their self-denial and yep. self-hatred. Then they're like, well, yeah, I know it's true because and and native woman told me great like <laughs> it's like that's like that's like the latinos for trump man that's the same thing it's like are you kidding me yeah <laughs> it's true it's like uh -huh. it's like latinos for trump it's like women for trump it's like you know uh, uh -huh. ben carl's what's his name ben carlson what, I don't, what's his name ben, the, the surgeon that his brain has clearly been removed um <laughs> What is oh, no. this? Ben Carlson, whatever. Oh, God. It's just, it's. you know what? I have to thank Trump for, for putting it on display so we can all see for the world how jacked up this is and that people, black folks, have been screaming this shit since 1918, 17, <laughs> 22. And, forever. you know, and we are not crazy. Welcome, welcome. And thank you for being here. <laughs> Now let's do some shit about yeah. this, right? Yep, yep. Yep. All right, well, I'll let you get back to work. I love you very much, and I'll talk to you again soon. Okay, love you. All right, bye. bye. 
So, hey, guys, I that was my niece, Anna Richardson, who I'm extremely happy to have on my podcast every single time that she's on my podcast. Um, I do want to want to say real quick and make sure that people understand that when we're talking about these unnatural unconscious um, biases that you, it's kind of like when you recognize when when you are a, someone who is engaged in something so thoroughly that you understand the nuances and the in the in the uh, side pieces of the in the in between the lines that make things happen so when someone is talking to your child in um, for instance and let's say you are a woman who is not of color and your child is of color and they are um, immediately trying to describe to them or ask them in more questions than necessary to understand their qualifications, they're demonstrating unconscious bias. Um, that when they're starting to ask them, did you know you needed this or are you sure you have that? All of those type of things, you have to understand that it's not, and this is before they know the child, this is before, uh, this is when the child is, is um, just demonstrating interest. That is a that is asking them, do you understand the barriers that, that you have to get over before we can welcome you into this class? And that's uh, straight up uh, racist. So I just want it to be known and seen. I mean, this kind of stuff happens to our kids all the time. And as parents, we need to really be conscious of it. Um, you know, there was an example here at a high school where my daughter was coming in and she was wanting to take a placement test to get into a higher science. And the teacher immediately started um, questioning her intention. And I looked at him and I said, you don't have to question what she knows. If she's asking you, it's because she does know. And I said, you know what? Never mind. We don't want to get into your program at all. And that is the truth of that. I knew exactly what he was doing, exactly what he was saying. And she uh, is uh, has tested and above his class, matter of fact. So I... You just have to know that what is going on um, doesn't always come across as the N-word. It doesn't always come across as uh, not your kid. It comes across in other subtle ways. And to be conscious and to be aware of the ways that your child has to do extra things in order to prove that they are worthy of being there is is playing into the unconscious bias of racism. All right. Have a good day, y'all. Check me out again. You can also check out um, here on the podcast, obviously, but I'm also on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. on KEPW. I uh, also have a video there that you can watch and save for it so you can go back and watch it at any time. I also have an Instagram account that you'd love to check out. It's also Black Girl from Eugene. All right. Have a good day.